All right. Now we're going to go ahead and shift then into our, our time in the Word. If you've been with us for a while, uh, we've been in a sermon series through the Gospel of John or the Gospel according to John. And so it's been a little bit here uh, since we've been in that. At this point, we are in John 5, and this morning we'll be looking at verses 19 through 20. So I'm going to ask you to rise, and we're going to go ahead and read the Scripture here. We'll pray, and we'll dive in. Uh, you can... the. The scripture should be up there on the screen. Otherwise, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open to John 5 and read it from there. However, you want to do that, and I'll be reading it for us here, and then we'll get going. John 5, 19 through 29. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. And he will show him greater things than these, so that you will be amazed. And just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom he wants. The Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all people may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who has sent him. Truly I tell you, Anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will, and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have eternal life in himself. And he has granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the son of man. Do not be amazed at this, because the time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. This is the word of God. Will y'all pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for how you've revealed yourself. And so God, here we are. Show us. Give us eyes to see you as you've revealed yourself, not you as we would want to see you, not you as other things would tell us, circumstances or various things, but you as you have revealed yourself, you as you truly are. Soften our hearts to receive the truth of these words, God, that we may worship you even as we hear these words. Grant us understanding where we would not have understanding. Grant us clarity where there's no clarity. Um, yes, Lord. And again, not to just take these words to be yet another good word, but to let it allow to really transform and shape and lead our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, as we get going here, have you ever, or do you remember a time where maybe you've done something to warrant death? No? Probably not. Okay. But... Culturally, over, over the years, you know, we have these moments, whether it's conversations or situations or things that happen, where, right, we may make the statement, like, I'm going to kill him. I will kill you. I can't believe you said that to me. I can't believe you did that, right? Why would you do such a thing? I'm going to kill you, right? So thinking of doing something, whatever that thing is, to warrant that, what, what, what kind of thing would that have to be? For us, sometimes it's just light offense. It's just words that people said that really, that really hit us a certain way. But when we consider the passage that we're looking at this morning, the context of it looking back, 
what the response come out of Jewish leaders wanting to kill Jesus because of things that he said. Can you imagine just you being yourself, warranting your very death, right? Because of who he is. Because of him saying that I am equal with God. I am like the Father. Says the Jews wanted to kill him. You see, they were already past the point of learning from him or even understanding offense had already taken place. It's right. Often with God, we are quick to be offended when we place God in a box, right, of our own understanding. And that could be religion, our own misunderstanding of who we think God is or what God is like, as we see with the Jewish leaders. Let them set. For you, it might not be that, right? But what is that thing about God that may lead to offense for you or that would become a hindrance to you being able to truly see God as he really is? Being able to see Jesus as he declares himself that he himself is also God. The scriptures here said that the Jewish leaders, they wanted to kill Jesus because he was saying that he is equal with God and because he was healing on the Sabbath. It was an issue of the law. It was an issue of religion. And that might not be the case for you. It may not be that kind of issue, but nonetheless, there are things when we begin to put God in a box that's offensive to us, right? Because we are trying to use our own understanding and our own interpretation of certain things to see God in ways that he's not revealed himself. And so, as they had desire to want to kill him because of the things that he said, how would you respond? Right? Jesus does not respond in the same way that we probably would respond. Usually we respond in anger, we respond back with the same type of biting, with the same type of words, but Jesus is like, he does not shy away from that. He says, yeah, you, you believe that I am, well, you're saying that I'm declaring that I am God, that I am like the Father? I am. And I will show you and tell you how much like the Father I really am. And so the passage that we're looking at is a response of Jesus to the leaders misunderstanding and misinterpreting and having their hearts misled. And so this morning, we do not want to be our hearts misled. The question I want us to ask ourselves, what, what is, it, is it lack of understanding or our over-understanding? Uh, do those things hinder us from truly seeing Jesus and from truly seeing God? as he has shown himself. And so we begin off right away with Jesus saying, right, the son can do nothing of himself in response to the leaders as they are questioning, right, whether he is who he truly says he is. The son is not able to do anything on his own. What Jesus is saying is, I take no initiative of myself. I don't do anything apart from the father because this is their issue. They think Jesus is somehow introducing a new religion or he is some other God different from the living God, God the Father, right? Jewish tradition, one God. There is no other God. And so for Jesus to claim, hey, I am like the Father, that begins to become an issue. And so here he is saying, no, but I am not apart from the Father. I don't take initiative of my own. I don't do anything that I have not seen the Father do. I don't do anything that the Father himself does not do. And if you believe the Father, if you've seen the Father, then you should also see that I am like him. And here's how I'm going to show you I'm like him. So the son, though being God himself, 
he submits himself to the Father. He comes under the Father. He's dependent on the Father. And he does what the Father is, what the Father does likewise. The Son does not initiate. He does not go off and decide to do his own thing, but rather he's taken on the heart of God the Father, and he's doing what the, God, what the Father wills and puts that into place. The Father is his example. Okay. So in Eastern culture tradition, if we look back, right, there is, in past, it, is, it was prevalent, right, the way that things work in families that for generations one family would keep the same trade. And it has happened in this nation as well in past times. It still happens in places and in various other cultures. Okay. And so Jesus had a clear understanding of this, of that you would take on the family business, whether that's a farmer or whether that's uh, whatever it is, carpentry, stone masonry, you name it. Right. The son would spend time with the father pretty much probably the whole day watching the father work, watching the father do watching how he goes about his craft, watching his heart, his attitude about the things that he's doing. Right? And so for Jesus here, it's twofold. While he's talking about spiritual things and Heavenly Father, Jesus, if you guys know, with Joseph, Joseph was a carpenter, and Jesus, if you know in his own life, he took up Joseph's trade as well. And so he lived this out and practiced this in the natural as well as in the spiritual. So it says, I do what the Father is doing. I do what I see the Father do. This is what Jesus is about. The Father is his example. He is not looking to other rabbis or other teachers of that day to say, hey, tell me how to live for God. Tell me how to follow God. Or tell me how to do these things. He himself knows. He's not looking to the political leaders of the day. He's not looking to the kings of the nations for the day to tell them how to follow God. They are not the ones or their influence or their thoughts or whatever it is that's influencing the things that he does or how he was he goes about living his life. It is the Father that's his example. God the Father. He sees what the Father's seeing. That's a powerful image because how can you see, right? How can you do? Well, let me well, twisting my words here. How can he see what the Father's doing unless he's been with the Father? Right, So this is the declaration that he, the son, the one who is speaking right now, has been with God for eternity. And so he knows God's heart. He's seen how God works. He's seen what God desires to do. And so he himself is able to do those things in the natural, too. And by doing so, he is what? He's revealing the Father to people. If we go back to the beginning of this book in the Gospel of John, John 1, no one has seen what? No one has seen the Father. But God, the Son, who's been as right as hand, has revealed him, has made him known by the things that he does. And so how is it that the Son, right, as an example of the Father, does likewise as the Father does? What is the root of that? What is the motive? It's love. Right? He says, for the Father loves the Son and reveals to him everything that he does. It's about relationship, the intimacy that Jesus has with the Father that guides everything that he does. Okay? He is secure in his identity as the Son. In the same way, he invites us into that same following, into that same walk, that we 
would also be secure in our identities as those who are sons and daughters of God. Okay. There's a trusting relationship where God, out of love for the Son, God, out of love for the Son, shows him everything. There's nothing God has not shown. God the Father has not shown the Son. He has revealed to him all things because of love for him. Okay. And in reverse, then, the Son responds based on what God has revealed for, to him, based on the love that the Father has shown him by revealing all these things to him, by what? Walking in obedience to, to, to in love for the Father. So this is the glimpse of the relationship between God and the Son. But also it's a picture of, of our own relationship with God, with Jesus. That Jesus has revealed himself to us. He's revealed his purposes to us. He's revealed newness of life to us. And we, too, knowing that what he has shown us, what he has given us, and how he's changed us is out of love for us, that we would walk in obedience out of love for him. And I'll tell you something, our security is not in God's love for us, but ultimately out of the Father's love for the Son and out of the Son's love for the Father. You see, even the cross is the Son's love for the Father, obedience even unto death, right? Love is what guides this relationship. Love is what leads Jesus to do what he sees the Father do. Love is what leads the Father to reveal everything to the Son. In the same way, that's what will lead us into knowing and seeing God better. And so he's trusted and he's shown him all things. And so the obedience, again, reveals who God is. If we see Jesus at work, if we see Jesus doing the things that he's doing, that should point us to God the Father. As we keep going in these scriptures, these scriptures specifically dive into two particular things, two particular ways that the things that Jesus does, right, that point to the Father. And these are the work of resurrection and the work of judgment. Jesus is the one who gives eternal life, right, as the Father gives eternal life. And Jesus stands as judge as Father stands as judge. Because you see, these two things, these modes of work, right, are only things that God does. Amen? Only God can resurrect. Only God can give life. Not just physical life, eternal life. Only God can do those things. If we look back at the Old Testament and consider passages like Ezekiel 37, 13, right? If you want to put that up there, I think we got the, the passage up there real quick. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open the graves and raise you from your graves of my people. Right? Only God, it is understood from the Old Testament, right, that only God gives life. And so the Son is like the Father in that he gives eternal life. He's able to give life to us. He's able to bring, he he's able to raise the dead both physically and spiritually. Those who hear his voice, they will live. They will now experience eternal life, right? It's not just a future thing that we get to experience eternal life, but it's something that we get to begin experiencing now. 
And so apart from seeing Jesus as he truly is, apart from seeing Jesus as the one whom God has sent to give us eternal life, we, ha- we can have no eternal life. Amen? Right? So your life now and for eternity is based solely on who you believe Jesus to be. And do you actually believe him to be the one who can grant eternal life? Because if you're trusting in something else or looking at something else or anyone else, matter of fact, to grant you that only he can because he is God and it's been granted to him by the father to give life and not just that he has life in himself okay you can only give life if you have life none of us not me not you can do that we can't grant life to another in the way that God is able to in the way that Jesus does, in the way that Jesus has granted us life. It's only him and him alone. He is like the Father. The Son is like the Father in that he gives eternal life. And then secondly, Jesus has been given all authority to judge. He will stand judge. Genesis 18.25 says, if you want to bring that up there, far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you, hold up, far be that from you shall not the judge of all the earth do justice. Again, we're seeing it here in the Old Testament, right, that only God stands as judge. And so, while we saw earlier both the Father share in giving resurrection life and giving eternal life to all those who trust and believe in Him, here there's a distinction in that God the Father has granted the Son the right to stand judge over all the earth. He's been given the authority. Authority stands with Jesus alone to judge. He will be judged. Okay? And so He will judge all injustice. He will judge all people in the end. I know as we look to our world, there's so much things happening right now, right? And it's nothing new. It's not, it's not anything new to us or to this time, but it's what we are experiencing. The way we're seeing the world, the way that the darkness that is happening, the things that are happening right now. And so whether that's issues of racial injustice or political injustice or um, yesterday got to run the race, the 30 for freedom, right, combating modern-day sex trafficking, human trafficking, true and pure injustice. And sometimes we wonder, God, will these things be judged? Will these things be made right? Will there be justice for these things? Because we want that justice now, and we demand to have that justice now. And truly, we can experience a glimpse of that. But then we also have the hope of that Jesus will judge all things, you guys, the seen and the unseen. There's little things, the broken things, the things that have been done to you, and the things that you've done as well will stand in judgment before God. He is the one who will judge us. He's the one who's judging us now and will judge us in the end. The scripture says that he will be judged and can judge because he's the son of man. Now, the son of man, there's a lot that can be said about this, and there's there's sermons that have been preached on it just by itself. 
But the Son of Man, essentially the idea what the Son of Man should do whenever you hear that phrase used, bring you back to Daniel 7 if you read Daniel 7 at all in any glimpse. Essentially what happens in Daniel 7, Daniel has a vision, right? Of just these creatures, these beasts or whatever it is that are dex uh, just bringing damage to the earth and to people. And, um, but then what happens, and these beasts represent nations but ultimately represent sin. And so then the son of man, Daniel says, I see one like the son of man, meaning I see one who looks like a human, but he's not just human. He's more than that, right? Because he comes before the ancient of days, God the Father. He comes before the throne, sits with God on the throne, and he is given the authority to judge, right? And so it's not just that he's human, right? He is completely fully but that also he's divine, right? He's able to judge rightly. Because if the qualification was that, oh yeah, that Jesus is just human, that he can judge us. No, any of us would then would be able to do that. But judgment stands with Jesus alone. One, because he's the only one human. He's the only one like us who walked in perfect obedience in his humanity. But then he's able to exercise righteous and right judgment and justice because he is also divine. He's the one from the beginning. And so even though the son has the authority to judge, again, it's not the father forfeiting his judgment over the earth, but it's in complete and perfect alignment with God the Father. Because it is the joy of Jesus to what? To be obedient to his father. To show his father to us by the things that he does. And so judgment there also rests with Jesus. He is the one. Is he your judge? That is the question. And in reality is, there's really only one way you can answer that. Because even if you would say that he's not, reality is, one day, one day, we will all stand before him. The small and great, right? The end of the passage here, talks about that, talks about future resurrection, when all will be raised up from the grave, when all will stand before the throne of God, the great white throne judgment, and Jesus will stand judge. He will open the books, right? And there will be the declaration of whether did you actually know me, and, and then, and that's into eternal life, or did you not know me, into eternal condemnation. So whether we desire it or not, Jesus is the one who will judge you and me and every single person on earth ever born he stands judge and so there can be a joy and a relief if we know him but if we don't also that's a real you know scary thing to stand before him because he's made the way that we can be right that we can be judged and brought into eternal life rather than eternal condemnation. We have him to stand in that place. We have him to stand for those things. And that judgment, I know the, the passage also, it's not based on good works, right? John talks about into the good that you've done and into the wickedness that you've done. That's not at all talking about the good works that we've done that, that, that brings about that judgment for us. But rather, right, what we've already seen 
talking about that we are called out of darkness and into eternal light. And if we are called into light, the evidence of that is doing good. Right? It's not that our good works earns eternal life, but that rather because we've been called into eternal life, the evidence of that is living out the good. And so Jesus, he, the Son, is like the Father. He, the Son, has love for the Father in walking in obedience towards him. And he shows this by, again, resurrection life and standing as judge. And in and through that, he's revealing him. And so why, why all this, right? Why is Jesus saying all this? What's the purpose of all this? Why would he share these things? Why does it matter? Well, for his audience, right, it was a big deal for them because they saw Jesus as less than he is. They didn't give him the same worth or value that they would give God the Father. Again, so much of that is rooted in religion and law. Because they thought, hey, like there's no way you are God. We know what God is like. We've searched the scriptures. We've studied the scriptures. God walked through some of that last week, right, to try to find God. And yet here he stands before them, and they missed it. And so why is it that Jesus is declaring these things of themselves? Because those who were listening refused to give him worth. They did not honor the son, verse 24 says, as they would honor the father. But then that scripture says, if you don't honor the, the son, then you don't truly honor the father. Right? then we don't truly love God if we can't love his son, if we can't love the one who has come, if we can't love the one whose very purpose, very coming, very presence is revealing the Father. What more do, you, what more do we want? What more do they want? Right? We have to give the son the same worth. And so maybe for some of us, we can't relate to that. But for those in Jewish tradition, and those, even in other traditions where they believe in one God, like Islam, Jesus being God is a big deal. Right? And so you wrestle with that. Where the Father or the one true God is giving more honor than Jesus. Or sometimes for some of us, it may be that we're quick to cling to Jesus and relate to Jesus and completely miss the Father. Right? Or especially when we begin to see him in light of the Old Testament, right? A lot of people have issues with God once they begin reading the Old Testament, but God in the Old Testament is, is Jesus himself. He is revealed in the God in the Old Testament. And then in his coming, in his incarnation, in his walk, in his life, he is revealing that same God. They are not different. They have the same value, the same worth. And so for us, we can't cling to one and not the other. We can look to one and not the other. The son is worthy of honor. He's worthy of value. He's worthy of the same reverence as is the father. And so we're called to worship both the son, the father, and of course the Holy Spirit. While we don't see it in this in this passage, you know, jokingly earlier we talked about the Trinity, right? Can you explain the Trinity and that? 
God is one God but three persons. So some of these passages that point to that, or that point to the second person of the Trinity, that he is of equal worth, equal value, deserving of the same worship. And this is not just new to when he's speaking, but Jesus here is bringing clarity to, I am that God. Do you see me as that God? Will you worship me as that God? Because one day you will. Right? One day you will, whether you want to or not. But I'm inviting you now, right? They wanted to kill him, and he's like, here, but I'll, let, me, let me tell you, I want to pull you in. This is who I am. See me for who I am. Don't miss this. This is what I'm telling you. That God who you're trusting to bring resurrection, that God who you're trusting to judge all of the earth here and now and later, I am he. And we'll begin to get into that here in the gospel as we get towards the end. The I am statements of Jesus, again, declaring who is that he is God. But and so Jesus is the one who brings about resurrection life. Do we trust him to do so? Jesus is the one who makes correct all injustice in the world, right? That's a big deal. That's heavy on a lot of people's hearts in these days. But he is dealing with that injustice, and he will deal with it once and for all one day. He is God, same as the Father. So Jesus is the one we're trusting for eternal life. Have you trusted in him for eternal life? Right? Life beyond just this physical life. Or are you good where you're at? Because he alone has that, has that gift. Are we also trusting him to be the one who brings about justice? He's the only one who can. At least perfect justice, right? As we come to a close here, I'm going to have you stand as we pray. We're, I'm going to have the worship team to come on up. Yeah, so even as we close, you guys, oftentimes... When we hear the scriptures, it's like, what is it saying to me? How does it connect with me? But I think simply what I want us to see today, how do we see Jesus? How are we viewing him as he reveals himself? We need new eyes to see that we would not be so set on what we believe we understand about who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Right? It's easy for us to get to those spaces. Again, not that we can be grounded in truth, Right. But are we open to him challenging our thinking, challenging our understanding of who he is and that he is truly God? And so would you just pray a prayer with me here? Um, just a simpleness. Put your hand over your heart. And just pray. God, show me. Show me who you are. Lord, where I have not understood you, where I do not know you as I should, whether it's my lack of understanding of Scripture or my uh, confidence in what I think I know of Scripture, Lord, show me. 
convict me. Let me not be caught up in my understanding or lack thereof. Let's not see you as you are. Open our eyes, God. Open our eyes. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to see you, Jesus. Because in you, you reveal the Father. In you is God, the Holy Spirit. We want to see you. And Lord, just as you told Peter in affirming him, as, as he declared that Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you told him, Peter, it is, no one has told you this, but God, the Father alone, has revealed this to you. And so, Lord, would you reveal Jesus to us in new ways. Shift how we think. That we would be uh, 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 just people that worship differently and see you differently and know you in a different way, God. May we be grounded in the truth of who you are, Jesus, even in these days when your name is being taken out of many places and your name is being made less than it is. That it holds no value or worth, and not just your name, but just the power of who you are and the work that you've done in bringing resurrection life, dying on that cross. And even as you stand now, judge over the earth, God, we can have confidence in that as believers. We do not have to fear what is going on in our nation, what is going on in the nations of the world, because we are trusting in you who is able to bring right justice. Here and now, and in due time, even as we look to the hope of the new heavens, new earth, the resurrection into eternal life forevermore, even as we're experiencing that now. Move in our hearts, God. Let us be quick to acknowledge what we don't know, what we don't understand. Let our hearts not mislead us to think we know all that we need to know and be so offended Right, that we will leave the church or leave the faith. We may not plot your death like these leaders that you were talking to did, but maybe we may take different action because of us being offended by what you have told us about yourself and what you've revealed. And God, we say no to that. Let our hearts be quick to receive truth from you because we know you are the one who loves us. And in all that you're doing and all that you're revealing is because of love for God and love for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.